Hey everyone, this is Christopher Luxon, the former CEO of Air New Zealand. This is John Lee Dumas, the founder and host of Entrepreneurs on Fire. This is Tracy Ibarra. I'm an executive solutions at Dell Technologies. This is Travis Chappell, founder of Build Your Network. If you are wanting to learn how to embrace change, to navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, my very good friend, Dennis Giannoutsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsos. Yeah, I guess my background in terms of leadership came as an evolution that uh, I got to travel as part of that cricket commitment and I got to work in summer camps in New York between cricket seasons in New Zealand and overseas. And I got to play in Canada for a season and, and has combined that with coaching professionally. And we've had a lot of people management experiences and a lot of international experiences and uh, coming into this role at Rowing New Zealand, which is a high performance focus where our crews are across uh, seven or eight countries every year. It's a very interesting mix when you talk about leadership and experiences. Yeah, yeah, yeah wow. And tell me, so, okay, you've done these, uh, you've had these experiences where you've got a lot of people uh, management and leadership experience. Tell me, how did you actually get into leadership? Yeah, I, I started in that coaching role um, as quite a young professional coach and coaching sport, no matter what your sport and no matter what your coaching is a people-focused role. It's not, it's not the technical or tactical that you're focused on. You're focused on the person. And cricket's a fantastic game that people talk about as a team game, but actually it's 11 individuals against two individuals when you're batting uh, and the other way around when you're fielding. So there's an individual component around communication and leadership that then morphs itself into the wider team coaching role. So I started my leadership evolution with that focus. And yes, I did all the certificates. I did the level ones and twos and threes, and I did all the technical and tactical stuff. But in the end, you are a people leader uh, when you're a coach and you get good people around you to help you with that leadership. And then I, then I um, formed my leadership career through going into management uh, at a middle management layer. And again, because it was called sports management was just a nice passion to be involved with. It didn't change the fact that you had to inter uh, relate with people face to face, not over email, not technical, not gross profit, net profit, not tax, GST requirements as we have here in New Zealand but actually people management issues. And so my leadership as it sits today was based on the foundation of working with and dealing with people from the outset. Yeah, and you mentioned before, Simon, that uh, getting good people around you. For our listeners here, how important is it to get good people around you and what could you do to help get good people around you? Well, the best leaders do that first and foremost. You, know, you get your experience in your technical fields that you need in a business sense around finance and HR and uh, marketing and comms and all, all those things that your listeners will know about. So I choose small teams of people that are high quality and I pay them well. Mm -hmm. And uh, I tell them that when I employ them, I don't offer as little as I can. I offer as much as I can to the people I employ, but they know they're coming into a small team. They know they'll be stretched. We don't have big groups of people, multiple people having team meetings all the time. We have individuals making decisions in a, in a flat 
management structure as flat as possible so that things are efficient and effective in a fast-moving world. Yeah, excellent. I like it. I pay them as much as I can. Awesome. That's, that's good to hear. Well, that's interesting you say that because I got offside with some of my colleagues in the industry uh, early on in my tenure as a CEO because there was a demand and supply issue in sport. A lot of people want to work in sports management. And so a lot of CEOs took the approach, well, I'll offer a, a baseline. And if someone doesn't want to take it, I know there's someone else waiting. I took the opposite approach. And of course, that got me on offside with a lot of my colleagues because they didn't like the fact that I was paying what I was prepared to pay for a good person where they were paying I guess, baseline because of the, the supply and demand issue. So I think it was a really critical decision at the time. Yeah, I think so too. And I think that, you know, one is you pay them, but it's also how you treat them and how you get them to fly and be the best that they can be around that talent that they've got, which is what you'll attract. You know, I mean, the other thing too is that I think the other way around was more of a scarcity model where you, I think you've got more of a growth mindset around, you know, this is where we want to go and let's get the right people on board to, to move things forward, which is good. Yeah, and I think these COVID times, people have realized, um, it's been really accelerated that if you've got a good person, you've got to keep hold of them because someone else is going to grab them. And, you know, you've got to treat people with respect and look after them and not, uh, not burn them. Yep. Fair enough. So this question here is about somebody that could be alive or from history. Who's your favorite leader and why? Yeah, I reflected on this one a long time and I've got to say, you'll be disappointed in my answer, but it's that I don't focus on an individual. I focus on attributes of individuals and I've got some names of people that came to mind when I was preparing for this podcast, but in reality, that they are attributes of those people, not necessarily the whole. And in the end, what I look for is leaders who are prepared to develop, roll with, and implement change, but critically to see it through. And if there's one thing that irks me are these people that call themselves change managers, because I can identify change with you today on a whole lot of things, but if I'm not there to see it through, you know, how true am I actually being to the change process? Mm. And so the leaders that I look up to are the people that see the future, implement the change required to be ahead of the curve, but also see it through in those first couple of years of change. I think that's really critical. And you see that in sports management in New Zealand a lot. I mean, you can always find fault in any organization. And that's the easiest thing we can all do. Let's face it, in my world, you know, you read about it in the papers if someone thinks your organization isn't doing what it should be doing. But it's those people who can see forward and into the evolution of your organization, but also want to work in that space ahead of time. Yeah, I, I, I reflect on what you're just saying there based on my experience with uh, Hewlett Packard, right? We had uh, one CEO go, then we had a new CEO. Within nine months, that one went. And so when the organization's in trouble, what do you do? Yep, that's right. You give it to a woman. And so we brought in Meg Whitman, who is the CEO. Uh, she came from eBay and she, she took over Hewlett Packard. And we went through that change management. And going back to what you said, Simon, yes, she saw, saw the vision, she saw the future, she put the organization, took the change. And most people thought, oh, yep. So after year two, did she leave? Nope. She was there right through to year six or seven, I think. So she yeah. embedded yeah. it and made it to happen. And, and that was what was really, really fantastic and a big change, which was really great to see. Yeah, that's a great example. And, and one of the things I look for in any leaders when I look from the outside is continuity and mm -hmm. consistency. Yep. you know, and who they are being as a person, but also the life cycle of an organization and the fit with the CEO or the general manager, whatever the title might be, is really important part of that change process as well. So what does the organization need today? And where is that fit with the, the skill set of that leader? And, you know, you come into, you know, when I've been chairman of an organization, um, you, you might go through a phase where uh, it needs a real marketing and innovation of approach. And you come into another organization and it needs, okay, the marketing innovation has been done. 
the PR comms are great. We now need to knuckle down and get the systems and processes in line. So you, you look at your leaders with the skill set and the life cycle of the organization and where it's at. And so in my day to day job now at Rowing New Zealand, we're 132 years old this year. And uh, that's pretty special. But what is the leadership required in that phase now that our athletes are professional athletes compared to even 10 years ago where they were semi professional and 15 years ago where, you know, they were just um, doing it for the love? So, Life cycles of organizations and skill sets of leaders is, is really critical match. Uh, given a, a brief introduction about your background, tell me more about your background if you'd like to share anything else. But in particular, tell us a little bit more about the DJ lessons. <laughs> well, I, you know, music was a huge part of my life growing up. And trust me, if I could uh, have that as my career, or at least my second career, that's something I'm looking forward to. I'm a fourth generation Idahoan here in the United States came from a middle-class background, spent a lot of my youth growing up singing, playing music, playing sports, keeping busy, and came from a family of educators where the global and lifelong learning is kind of part of everyday life. Was fortunate to live abroad at a, as a, at a young age in Denmark as an exchange student, and that really kind of shaped my trajectory about things I was interested in. And actually, after I went to university, joined HP, and have had you know, new roles all over the company, all over the world, whether that was global business side doing R&D and product portfolio or out in front of customers in the U.S. or in Asia or in Europe uh, talking about PCs and printers. And so I feel fortunate to be a global citizen and look, uh, having had an opportunity to look across the company end to end from many different roles. Yeah, impressive. And your background is very impressive and what you do and what you've done. So how did you get into leadership? You know, for me, it started back with sports, quite frankly. I, I played basketball and soccer growing up. I was not the superstar, you know, up and down, up and down, but I was consistent. And, and what I loved about sports was there were playbooks. You know, things always changed. You had different teams you were playing. You know, you may or may not get playing time. It was always a unique combination of skills depending on the year or the time. And so you know, spending a lot of time winning and losing and learning those different sides of things really shaped, I think, who, who, I, who I was then and what I wanted to become. I took steps in student leadership and other things over the years, coached then as I uh, coached sports, especially basketball for, I don't know, 20, 25 years on the side next to work. But so many synergies around being part of a team and what shaped my philosophy is, you know, one plus one is, you know, three or more. Yep. And getting that magic at the seams of kind of any given Sunday, something could happen. And, and I, I, I think that's where it really all started for me. Yeah, when you mentioned the magic at the seams and, and you talked about before about winning and losing, losing and how that shaped you. Because for a lot of people, they just want to win. They just always want to win. But how important is that shaping of you as a leader, both by winning and losing? How has that helped you? Yeah. Well, I mean, you, they say that shape, you know, things that shape us, it's not always the good, but it's usually how we persevere through the challenges, right? And right. so as you look at, you know, losing, it's like, well, gosh, okay, we failed. What happened? Did we prepare enough? You know, did we um, have the right combination of people on the field, you know, at the time? Did we get out trained or outpaced, you know, by things? Were we surprised? And the great thing is, you know, you can go back at a halftime in the locker room and you can regroup 
you can have those conversations at the end of the game and and fuel yourself into what can you change? Because sports is a transformational thing for everyone all the time. Even the 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 great athletes in the world and the Olympic athletes, they're always looking to achieve or do more. And 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 I think anyone can get better from where they're at. And so I think yeah. the the good and the bad teach us things. Yeah, and I think it's really important what you just said about half time, which is great because you can actually regroup and then see where you're at and adjust. And then the other one was at the end of the actual game. I'm not sure. I mean, I know a lot of organizations do do it and some leaders do do it, but I don't know if enough leaders do do a debrief, if I can put it that way, a, a way to sit down and, and do that. What's your thoughts about the importance of them actually doing that and what should they be doing around that? Yeah. I, you know, I, anytime I've either conducted or been part of postmortem kind of discussions or things, it, it's a hugely valuable place mm. to be. I mean, first, you want to create an environment where failure and trying things is okay because yep. obviously people don't want to hide. You, you don't want people and teams hiding behind you know, the green dashboard, but like, did we have hard enough goals to begin with, you know, to stretch ourselves, but also just the space to create the conversation. So whether it's something bigger and more formal, sometimes on a cadence or a frequency, that's, that's useful, but also even one-on-one, you know, I like to do micro moment coaching. So, you know, you finish a moment, you finish a meeting or you finish a presentation or one of my team members finishes a big pitch capturing right then and there about what worked and what maybe didn't work or what I should give them feedback on right away, it always feels more relevant than waiting, you know, till the mid-year review yeah. or the annual review because number one, nobody likes surprises and they may have forgotten. But but also it's it's if it's genuine and authentic and in the moment, it's when everyone's real in the time, right? To to kind of learn and both receive the positive and or the constructive criticism too. Yeah, and I, and I like what you're saying about it being genuine and authentic because I think mm. that that is really important and in the moment, making it relevant. You're so right because how many times we've seen whereby there's been performance management, good luck, see you in a year's time, and um, they go back in a year's time and people get these surprises. It's just, it's just silly. And yeah. so I think you're right. I mean, right there in the moment, that's the best time to hit the iron where it's hot, get oh. people to learn great debrief and some learnings for people. So then they can improve for the next one, uh, which is coming up, uh, could be coming up next, which is good. Some, some good things there. Right? And the micro moment coaching, I like that terminology. <laughs> yeah, very good. And at least tell me, who is your favorite leader? Now, this person could be a liable from history. So who's your favorite leader and why? Gosh, it's so hard to pick one. I'm sure people always tell you this all the time. One from history that I've, I've been reading more about this last year, in fact, is Abraham Lincoln obviously was responsible for the abolishment of slavery in the United States, even though some of those laws took some years to trickle down to everybody in the country. But one this last year, spending a lot more time learning and about some of the racial inequality that unfortunately still exists hundreds of years later here in the U.S. in particular, but around the world. But his Doris Kearns Goodwin is is an author and has done these amazing leadership profiles over history. And learning about how he was one to work with people from different perspectives, not just his own party, people who did not agree with his point of view. How could he bring disparate groups together to make change? So there's a whole chapter about transformational leadership that I found um, quite inspiring and very applicable, quite frankly, to the times and challenges that we have now. 
One recent example, just to, to plug, Kara Golden, who is the CEO of Hint Water, is the other one that inspires me a lot. And I follow her. It's an amazing story about perseverance where she had some health dynamics and different things where she wanted alternatives to Diet Coke. And she didn't know any, anything about the beverage industry. She didn't know anything about big volume businesses and things. She had a different kind of finance and, and consulting background. And she just knew she had to find a solution to a problem. And mm. she knocked on doors and she found people. And she's built this entire company and brand off of a vision and a, a problem that she could solve without having expertise in the industry. So for me, stories of transformation and stories of perseverance are the ones that I get most excited about. Yeah, excellent. You can tell it from your voice about the excitement that you're <laughs> sharing there for sure. And I remember that you and I being in Singapore, there was an event and I I'm not sure whether you were one of the execs that I got to speak at it, but um, I think it may have been your boss, actually, uh, Joss Binkle. Is that right? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. maybe. And, yeah. and I, I had him to come in to, to speak and do a session, and he said, oh, can you come and see me? I said, sure. So it was the, the day before I went and saw him, and he goes, um, you know how we got this material? I went, yeah. He goes, I, I'd rather do something different. And I'm like, cool, tell me what you want to do. And they did the Invictus film, right? We talked yes. about that and yes. um, how you're talking about Abraham Lincoln and about the racial inequalities and that. And then the South African, he goes, the, with, with, with them winning the Rugby World Cup, he goes, how do you feel about me using that? I went, oh, do we have to? And he goes, why? And I went, I'm a Kiwi. We're the team in, the, in, that, in that film that lost. We're the, the other South, one. <laughs> South Africa. And then he realized, but it was a great way of sharing about leadership and about different races, about how to bring a country together, what you're saying before about transformation. And I think it's just a great way of, uh, of, of using that, right? So... Yeah, it's good. And there are so many stories out there that show us things and, and so forth, but we can learn a lot from those different stories. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 